Welcome back to the Bush League bullpen. We have a Twitter. Follow us and share us and whatever. We give you live up, well, not very live, but kind of live updates on everything happening in the baseball community and our opinions. You can follow us at BL Bullpen. And uh, my name's Eli. Who are you? I'm Derek, once again, for all those hoping that I would go away. Not yet. No, nah, I haven't found a replacement for him yet, but don't worry. We're working on it. Wait, I wasn't supposed to tell you that. Um, oh, I figured it anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, welcome back. This is um, our fourth episode today. You guys, um, I'm sure if you've been following the pattern, we are going to be talking about the AL East, one of my least favorite, but also favorite divisions. Favorite because you like to see some teams lose, but worse because you don't like to see some teams win. Yes, because the teams that I usually like to see lose end up winning, and it makes me sad. But yeah. we've got some new contenders coming up. I'm excited to talk about them, especially the young guns in the Great White North. Um, so if you haven't if you haven't listened to a, a whole one of our podcasts yet, and you're wondering why you should, at the end of each show, we do a little bit of a player spotlight, and we do like a baseball quote. So we're, we're really mainly focusing on uh, past players, maybe some that we haven't feel like haven't been getting a lot of like limelight, weird people we think you guys should know. So, you know, try to tune into that. Um, yeah, I think, uh, and, and don't just skip there if that's what, if that's what you guys want to do. I mean, like I clearly can't like control that, but if I know you and I hear that you do that, I will find you. But, um, no, I think the content in the middle is pretty fun. So yeah, just listen to all of it and just have yeah. fun. And just ramble about baseball. But uh, the player we're actually talking about today at the end of the show will be uh, Josh Gibson, and uh, he's been in the a little bit of the news, um, well, you know, because he was an uh, old Negro League player. Um, but also, there is a movement to make Josh Gibson the uh, unanimous league MVP, or no, not unanimous, uh, the name the MVP after Josh Gibson. You know, I mean, there's a lot of awards named after players. We got the Cy Young is the pitching award. The Willie, the World Series MVP is named after Willie Mays. The Hank Aaron Award. So I would love to see Josh Gibson uh, yeah. be the name, have, like the MVP. You also have like uh, Mariano Rivera for relievers in the AL yeah. and in the NL. But you want to know what? I think that there is one that we need to change, though. And uh, I'm going to reference one of my favorite baseball YouTube channels, Foolish Baseball. Um, Cy Young needs to be changed to the Old Hoss Radburn Award because it is for pitching excellence in one season, not a whole career, man. So if you want to name it after an excellent pitcher and you still want to glorify the dead ball era, Old Hoss Radburn fell one win shy of 60 in one season. And he, I don't know how that man did not have to get an amputation. Just like, look it up. It's nuts. All right. So... (laughs) Let's start with one of the bigger trades that happened about a team we've already talked about. Uh, the New York Mets acquired Carlos Carrasco and Francisco Lindor. And this is a big trade for the Mets because to me, this trade makes them a contender with the Braves for the division before they were a maybe team, like definitely going for a wild card. But now they will, I think, be competing with the, uh, the Braves for the top of that division. Without a, without a shadow of doubt. Anything, they, any move they make is just extra, you know, leverage against the Braves. Yeah, no. Um, I, I like one of the biggest things for me to like symbolize that this is a freaking all in poker game move is uh, you're getting rid of Rosario and one of the top infield prospects, Andres. Is it Jim? Is it Jimenez? It's with a G, it's Jimenez, right? Yeah, if it's a G, it's Jimenez. 
bet. Okay, I'm smart. I'm pretty sure. But like, you're giving up two like above average middle infielders, especially Ahmed Rosario. I know it's kind of shaky, but when he's on, he's fucking on. So like, this is definitely a symbol that these guys are 100% trying to go all in. And I mean, you have a great infield captain there with Francisco Lindor. Because if there is a person who loves playing that game, playing this game more than Francisco Lindor, I do not know who it is. No, I don't. I don't think there is one person who loves him more. I mean, he's Mister Smiles for a reason. Yeah, the smile is going to shine bright in New York for uh, quite some time, I think. Oh, hell yeah. Um, I'm glad he's wearing those pinstripes, though, and not the other pinstripes that shall yes. remain until later in the show. Thank you, Mets, for being the New York team that acquires him and not the Yankees. Um, so other news, other teams we've already talked about. The Dodgers re-signed uh, Blake Trinan. Uh, really good move on their part. Again, just keeping strength back in the bullpen. I think bullpen is going to be what they rely on a lot this season. Schwarber signed a deal with the Nationals. It was a one-year deal. So now the Nationals lineup is going to have Soto, Bell, and Schwarber, which, I mean, they have a frontline pitching staff that's great. They could compete for a wild card, compete for maybe, you know, that division. I could see them being a sleeper pick out of nowhere. I mean, what do you think, Eli? Nationals, is Schwarber enough to bring the Nationals back to the, the, the show? I don't think he's enough. I think they need one more starting pitcher. And unfortunately for them, giving up Will Crow to – the Pirates, I honestly think, might be the move that kind of shows you that they that they've they're headed in the wrong direction. Um, if you guys follow us on Twitter, you will see my tweet about um, how I think Kyle Schwarber is a Silver Slugger winner in the making, one hundred percent. So, like, offensive offensively, it's definitely going to be a boost. Defensively, he's not all that swift out there. Um, he's got catcher legs trying to play a corner outfield spot, but I think offense is not necessarily the problem. I mean, you have a couple holes in the infield now, especially that Howie Kendrick's gone, and you don't really have a solid third baseman because Carter Kiboom is not really cutting it as of right now. But I really think that pitching, I mean, their bullpen has always been decently shaky. I mean, they're no Phillies, but I just think that they need at least one more starting pitcher and maybe two more relievers before they can actually call themselves a contender. So I definitely think... Uh, I agree with you. I think Schwarber, his power, he's going to be a Silver Slugger winner in the near future. I really thought he was going to be shooting for an American League team, and I surprised no American League team went out and got him. I mean, I think he's his future is the DH. I'm surprised he stayed the National League, even though it is just a one-year deal. You know, I was just, I was just like, oh, the Nationals surprised the crap out of me. I'm, I'm, he must have been offering him the most money out of any of the teams. I mean, also, I don't even really know how many American League teams – have an opening for a guy like Schwarber in the DH spot. Like, I mean, well, I know the the Twins have an opening because yeah. Cruz is, but I think they're trying to get back Cruz. I mean, that's the problem with with guys on the market available. Schwarber was a second considered a second tier DH, and I think that's why the Nationals were able to come in and sweep him off because he was, you know, a good offer came along and he didn't want to let it go by. Um, but we'll talk more about the Twins and the White Sox and all the moves they've made to make themselves, I think, the, the favorite for the NL Central uh, next week. But for this week, we're talking about the New York Yankees oh, and God the damn. American League East. Why did we have to start, dude? Like, we're, the, we're trying to keep people in. I want them to see your hatred of the Yankees. I want them to know that this is a serious podcast of Yankee <laughs> Front and center? Fuck it. Front and center. My, my 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 theory when it came to, like, writing papers was always, like, you got to put one of the juiciest tidbits in the middle because that's when people start to lose interest. But, like, it's a podcast. People skip around. So let's just talk shit about the Yankees right now. Yes, let's do it. Yes. So the Yankees, for the biggest thing for the fans, if you're a Yankees fan, you're listening to this, I'm sorry. You need to forget about the past. Nobody cares about the 27 rings. It ain't going to help you win another 
and you won like only seven since the 1950s. So it yeah, doesn't you matter. Won, you won only one since 2009. Like, get off your fucking high horse. And yeah, shit. and the more the Yankees try to look back and try to emulate those 27 rings and make teams of the make those teams of the past. The reason why Stanton's in New York, there are going to be a lot of guys who just can't stay healthy because the Yankees are too busy living in the past. Yeah, let me just the future. The Giants have had a more recent dynasty than the Yankees. Giants had a great dynasty. Fear the beer, even year. That isn't a dick punch to a Yankee fan. Then I don't know what's wrong with you, other than the fact that you're a Yankee fan. So, um, but the good news is, if you are a Yankees fan, your biggest need is the what the Yankees have made clear is their top priority, and that's getting DJ LeMahieu back. But the Yankees seem to be the ones you know, being the reason why he isn't back in New York so far. They don't want to get hurt. He, I've heard they don't want to give him the extra fifth year that he's asking for. I know he wants five years. The money's there, but he wants length in the contract. And the Yankees don't want to give him that fifth year, yeah, which I'm surprised the, by. I think it's because the Yankees um, are finally smartening up because they realize that they're spending all this money on guys who can't stay healthy for more than 10 days in a month. And they're trying to, like – because, I mean, DJ LeMahieu, although he's not, like – a Troy Tulowitzki type where he gets hurt every 20 seconds. He hasn't been that consistently healthy. I mean, 60 game season, it's kind of hard to like not be like, yeah, it's kind of hard to not be healthy for that because it's so short, but I mean, they spent shit tons of money on Stanton and I guarantee you they're going to lock judge up for a long damn time. I mean, but those two guys in like in themselves, they're they're great hitters, but they are problems when it comes to health. I mean, even Aaron Hicks has had some problems. Like, who, what kind of outfielder gets Tommy John? Like, I mean, I've yeah. seen interviews with Aaron Hicks. He seems like a very pleasant and fun person. But because he's on the Yankees, I'm going to talk shit about him. You're a fucking idiot if you get Tommy John and you're an outfielder. <laughs> yeah, it's not a, not a thing you see happen very often. Um, but speaking of outfield that the Yankees are trying to improve, there's rumors they're going after Yasiel Puig. Mm-hmm. Not a Puig fan or not a Yankees, not a Puig on the Yankees fan. I mean, honestly, I think that out of all the teams in baseball, Puig deserves to play in the Yankees because it's either the Yankees or Boston because those two seem to have the most like lunatic fan base. So I mean, here's what I'm gonna say: a lot, team in Texas. <laughs> a lot of a lot of people don't like Yasiel Puig. They don't. They give him crap. But Yasiel Puig plays with a lot of passion. He's very talented. He's a little crazy. And I don't know. But to me, the thing that would make Yasiel Puig a great addition to either the Yankees or the Red Sox, like you said, like it's the fan base. But he's the kind of guy that takes a rivalry serious. I mean, in the Pittsburgh Reds fight brawl happened, Uh, Yasiel Puig was front and center. After getting traded, he was front and center in that brawl. Like. If you don't think that man's going to add some serious spice to the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry, you're insane. If you're Boston, you just want to, like, you know, bring back that, oh, like, hard, gritty, you know, New York-Boston rivalry, Yasiel Puig's the guy to get. You see, I will give you that. It will be a lot more fun to watch Yankees games against Boston. I mean, because I have to deal with Alex Rodriguez on ESPN all the time, so that's just a bummer in itself. But if I have to deal with Alex Rodriguez commentating a boxing match between Yasiel Puig and probably the Red Sox bullpen, that would just make my day. I just just don't like Yasiel Puig. He's unhinged. He's the reason why Zach Greinke doesn't have a World Series ring. And um, I just don't think he's – I think his best years are beyond, behind him because he just refuses to get help from anybody, like, in fixing his game or, like, getting better at his game. Kind of like I Chris- mean, I would like to see him have one more chance to, like, prove he is – because, like, I mean, 
2019, he played, and then 2020 happened and all that stuff. And I feel like if 2020 had been a regular year, you would have seen him picked up in spring training, towards the end of spring training. So I definitely would like to see him get another chance to play in the big leagues to really prove himself. I will only say that if it's for a team like the Red Sox or the Yankees, and there are many fights that he causes or is a part of, because... I don't know. That's it. That's all I have in terms of he, like his worth to me. Yasiel Puig is the hockey enforcer of baseball. <laughs> so the one that I think the biggest thing that as like a, a fan of the game and you see a lot of teams, you know, the thing that always annoyed me about the Yankees is they went out and bought talent. You know what I mean? Like they go out and they get the guy, they get the number one on the market and they never seem to let their young guys take over. Very rarely do you see like guys take over. I mean, like, Gliber Torres, I think, is, and, uh, and Gio Yashella are probably the only really two I've seen in recent years who are, like, kind of guys they just, like, let have a role. Like, oh, you're not a big, you're not a big name prospect or, you know, but we're going to let you take over. But, I mean, like, like, Gio Yashella, like, in all senses of the phrase, was one of the worst hitters in baseball back when he was on Cleveland. And he turned it, I mean, I know that he's playing in a Cracker Jack box in New York, but like still, he he's not a big power guy and his average numbers definitely went up. So like, I mean, the Yankees, the Yankees and Dodgers, they have this big problem for me because you have teams like the Rays and the Athletics who can compete every year, but they just don't have like the one or two big name stars that they can spend freaking half a billion dollars on to push them over the edge and get them a title. Whereas the Yankees and Dodgers, they, they, they go out and they buy every single one of them. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, the I, very fact that like at one point the Yankees were rumored to be on in on JT Romuto to me was just like the epitome of the Yankees just don't care about who they want the best player at each position. And if that mm-hmm. means going out and buying them, they don't care. And they don't, they don't care that they have a good catcher and, and Gary Sanchez, one that could bring yeah. a lot of power to the at bat. I mean, there's downfalls to Gary Sanchez. He's good though, and he's a he's definitely a catcher you can win a World Series with. But yeah. the fact that they were like, we want to spend the money to get Real Muto to me was just like, I was like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, I just, I mean, especially when you have an absolute stud in Kyle Higashioka. <laughs> I say that jokingly, but I mean, like, he seems to be one of the only Yankees that I can look at and not just cringe. So, um, keep that up, Kyle. Um, I hope you have a decent career just out of Yankee pinstripes. You mean you don't but, like former Yankee or former Cardinal Luke Voigt? I'm still pissed about it. I know that the Cardinals got Paul Goldschmidt in return, but seeing what he's been doing in New York just makes me angry as a Cardinal fan. Like, goddammit. Well, like, to me, like, Clint Frazier and, and Luke Voigt are the two guys that if you're a, Yan- if you're a Yankees front office, Yankees manager, you that those are the guys that need to be front center of that offense. They You need to give them a chance. I mean, Luke Voigt, I think, proved himself this oh, yeah. last season, but there's some- still rumors that the Yankees might move on from him. And I'm like, I'm like, what do you guys like? Who are you gonna get to replace him? Like, you could. This is this is another reason why I think Yankee fans are hilarious for saying like 27 rings and stuff because like they like like not only are they focusing on the past, but they're completely ignoring some of the worst decisions that you could ever make as a team. <laughs> like Luke Voigt, Luke Voigt was like one of the top candidates for MVP this year. He was the only one who broke 20 home runs. He was just an absolute monster at the plate, and it doesn't look like that's going to change next year. No, I mean, because even if you look back at his 2019 season, he had a great season. He had a lot of power. He hit well, and his defense isn't bad. Luke Voigt is probably the only Yankees player that I actually am like, all right, cool, you know. Yeah. Like, I'm not. 
Ben Frazier has like a chance to be like a 275 at lowest career hitter, like from the way he swings the bat. He's looking hella good out there. Yeah, and yet they're going to spend all this money and they're going to put all this time invested into the fucking adult epitome of Caillou. And like, Jesus Christ, like get Brett Gardner. I just don't want Brett Gardner in the league anymore. He's like the anti Trevor Bauer. I really don't think Brett Gardner is on the end. I think he might be. He's a free agent, I'm pretty sure. Is he? Thank God. I hate yeah. I hate I, I, like there, there are many people who like I don't like them because of the team they're on or some antics that they pull. But I mean, no offense, but I just don't think that I've seen anything that's made that's made me ever like Brett Gardner. I don't like him. I don't like Brett Gardner either. Yeah. Um, okay. I didn't know if I would like him on a different team. I just think it's just Brett Gardner himself. Just something yeah. about him. Aura just reminds me of like I don't know a super villain for some reason, but like not even a good one, just like some like like Condiment King from Batman, you know, just like some trash tier super villain. Like that's what he get. That's what he reminds me of. Um, so speaking of outfield, they did get Greg Allen from the Padres, which I like. Greg Allen, he's played for the uh, for the Cleveland. He think came over with uh, Cleveland. Yes. Yeah, he came over with the Clevenger trade. I'm pretty sure in the uh, in the in the regular season in like last year. But yeah, I mean, this yeah. is outfield depth. I mean, if you if they play Greg Allen over Clint Frazier, I'm, I don't know what else to do. Like the Yankees obviously just don't have any faith in this guy who was at one point like a top prospect back in Cleveland. They they went out and got they wanted Clint Frazier, so I don't know why they're taking they're hesitating on letting him actually play because they're idiots. They well, actually, the real reason is because they're spending so much money on these guys who aren't even good enough or getting too hurt too often to play in their starting lineup. And when they are healthy, they're like, oh, we need them in there because we need to make sure our money is actually worthwhile. Yeah. Which is why there needs to be a salary cap. But anyway. um, Well, there kind of is. There is the luxury tax. If you're over a certain amount, you have to pay. You actually pay the MLB. Like the year about that, but I mean the point. Like I think there should just be a salary cap for like players in general. Like who? The, okay, Garrett Cole, great pitcher, top ten in baseball. But does he really fucking need thirty six million dollars a year? Who needs thirty six million dollars? You play a child's game. I mean, trust me, I would swap places with him in a heartbeat. But still, like, who needs thirty six million? I would be happy playing that game for like at the most two million like you could probably offer me like thirty five hundred dollars to be like or not thirty five hundred no that is way too thirty five hundred fuck hold on three hundred and fifty three hundred fifty thousand either between three hundred and fifty thousand and thirty five thousand and to be a starting pitcher on a world series team I'd probably be content. <laughs> you could offer me sixty bucks to play in the majors I'd be like cool what do I sign? I was like <laughs> I'll give up four bombs to Dude, if you if you want to supply me with a lifetime of Mrs. Fisher's chips, then absolutely I will play for your team. No other month, no other signing bonus needed. Just give me some Mrs. Fisher's. I don't have a problem with players like going out trying to make a lot of money because they don't play very long. You know, they're done playing by the time they're forty. Most guys are out of league by the time they're forty, and then they have the rest of their lives to live on this money. Like let the let the one or two who can actually make the money make the money. That's why you finish college and you start investing. Yeah, I mean, uh, what was it? Randall Gritchick went out like during the offseason and finished his degree in like aer- aerodynamic engineering or something like that. It was like something crazy. You telling me Randall Gritchick's a fat ass nerd? Really smart, dude. I want to party. I've always liked Randall Gritchick. I, I thought he was a very underrated player, but now I just want to party with him. Partying with nerds, it's fun to do. Uh, so before we get to Randall Gritchick and the Blue Jays, let's talk about. One of the more confusing teams, I think, for, like, the average fan is the Tampa Bay Rays, a team that seems to be constantly trading away their big-name players but seem to always be good. So if you're a Rays fan, which I don't know how many of them are actually out there, 
the Rays will be fine. Like, they'll be worried. They may not win the division, but they're going to be in the wild card hunt again. And, you know, they're going to make the postseason, and that's fine. Like, who knows? Maybe they will even win the division because who the they, hell thought they were going to win the division last year? Fucking nobody. Yeah, I mean, they very well could. The Yankees have injury problems. There's a couple other teams that have question marks around them. Like, is Boston going to be back? Is Baltimore real? Is Blue Jays, like, are they even going to be able to do anything? Absolutely. So, like, we'll see. Like, the Rays very well could be at the end of the year. Whole, like, being the one that the, – the, the winner of this the, – the of the American League East. So – The only problem with this – with the Rays that I have is is just kind of a personal problem in that there's such a, like – it was the thing that I was saying with the Yankees. They're such like a like a not at all a star reliant team. I barely remember or like know anything about half of the players on this team. I only know like I only know the people who I saw in the postseason who didn't get traded. <laughs> Which I mean, like of my favorite player on the Rays um, that I'm excited to talk about later. Um, the man who set every single offensive record for the postseason that you could ever want to set. But we'll talk about him in a bit. So the Rays traded Nate Lowe, um, which or Nate Lau. A lot of people, I think, were shocked by that. But again, it's their it's their mo: trade away a guy who another team wants and is willing to pay up for. You know, they traded Snell, got a lot in return, and they're getting guys that are close to being ready in a year or two. That I mean, you know, again, they get guys that they don't have to pay that are going to be good, and then when they have to pay them. They're gone, and they're getting more guys they can, you know, don't have to pay and are good. And it's going to be a constant cycle. But the problem with this cycle, one guy misses, whole thing falls apart. You know, if any of these four players that they got from uh, the Rangers or any of the players they got from San Diego don't pan out, that's going to be a huge problem for Tampa Bay in trying to stay relevant. The thing is, with Tampa Bay, I'm not worried about that at all, though, because it doesn't matter if it's a low prospect or a top prospect for Tampa. It, it seems to be something in the water, but like their coaching staff and their scouts, like they seem to know what the hell they're doing. Not like all the time. They, they can take a dude with a dog shit, like Swiss cheese bat and turn him into a goddamn like freaking monster at the plate. I mean, I mean, G-Man Choi did really improve when he got to Tampa Bay. Not only def- I mean, he's always been a great defensive player. I mean, if you watch any of the postseason, you saw magnificent splits. But yeah, no, it hurt my crotch to watch that. It was awesome. But I thought it was really funny and then ha- I saw this uh this video in the like in the regular in the in the regular season of them like, "Oh, it was like a practice day." And they had G-Man Choi standing up there in the right-handed batter's box. And I don't know, and he's just taking just seeing pitches from the left-hander, and all of a sudden he swings and lines up double <laughs> down the line, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool!" Yeah. And then he did it in a game, and I was like, "Gina Church is going to become a switch hitter out of nowhere." Just like I can do it, guys. Yeah, no, it was, he hit a homer against the Blue Jays from the right side too, and now yeah, and just, the show has him listed as a switch hitter, and it pisses me off. <laughs> I think it's funny. He's had one at bat as a right-hand. I'm like, he looked. It's a great right-handed swing. I'm all for it. Just G-Man Choi being like. I don't like the the fact that they sit me against left-handers, so I'm going to start hitting right-handed. Like, I mean, hell, if he can start hitting right-handed, then they have a great everyday first baseman, too. Because, I mean, like, defensively, I, there's nobody on the team that compares at first base. He's fantastic. Oh, yeah. like, I don't absolutely... understand how he's, like, fin- a finalist in the Gold Glove category. He's just ridiculous. Yeah, I don't I think that's not, I mean, he must not have played enough for him to really get serious votes. Like, people just being like, oh, he doesn't play enough. But, bullshit. Give him, like, an honorary one like they do at the Oscars. 
G Man Choi is now the honorary gold glove winner for recording this podcast. Uh, yeah. We'll actually we'll hold an award ceremonies once we're done running down each league. Um, G Man Choi though is our front runner for honorary gold glove at first base. <laughs> yes. So they did get out and go out and get Michael Waka, which I was actually really loved this trade because Tim or this signing because he's a value. He's a value pitcher. This is exactly what the Rays want. They want a guy that they can get for cheap but still perform out of. Michael Waka has had injuries and is. You know, stats don't seem to match his career. Stats don't seem to match what you'd explain, like what I'm saying. But he was always that guy that you know you didn't want to face him back when he was in his prime. And if he can get back to that, the Rays have a huge, you know, starter to go behind Glass now. Yeah, he's plus he's got something that a lot of guys in the Rays like. I mean, especially now that you've traded for a bunch more, something that they don't have, which is postseason experience. Because remember his rookie year, he came up like he was in the Cardinals back when they were like one of the toughest teams like they were competing with the Giants almost every year in the CS it was ridiculous and like, he proved himself to be a very clutch pitcher in the postseason so if yeah. the Rays get back there that's I think that's where he's really going to shine is he's going to be one of the big dudes to carry him in, in October yeah one of that uh, postseason experience by the way is a uh, giving up a walk-off homer to Travis Ishikawa of the San Francisco Giants yeah well who's still in the league Ishikawa or Awaka you fucker <laughs> all I'm saying is it's part of the experience, Eli. <laughs> yeah, well, you could suck an ass. I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, like, then, like we were saying, like they've acquired a lot of guys. They've gotten Dylan Paulson from the Dodgers as part of that trade, where they sent one of their better left-handed relievers out to to Philadelphia. They've yeah, you know pissed about that one for the Rays, but I like it for the Phillies because I think he's a very I think Jose Al Jose Alvarez. No, Alvarado. Sorry, there is another Jose Alvarez uh, who is a relief pitcher. Um, but Alvarado, I think, is one of the most underrated, nastiest left-handed pitchers in baseball. I know he was injured <clears throat> for a while, but he seemed to come back in the postseason when they were when they were using him. His changeup is still filthy. His slider is absolutely filthy, um, and he throws 101. So uh, I think he's like a complete package, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I expect him being the Phillies closer by the end of the season. I mean, like, back to the Rays, a lot of young players, they're going to keep doing it. So what do the Rays need? Well, it doesn't really matter because they're not going to spend any serious money to get it. I mean, they're, they're going to get a player by trading away Kevin Kiermeyer, or they're going to sign him as a minor league free agent. Don't so, you dare say those words. Kevin Kiermeyer. The rumors flying around is that Kevin Kiermeyer is on the market. I'd hate to see it because I don't, I don't want Kevin Kiermeyer anywhere Kevin but Kiermeyer. Kevin Kiermeyer is Tampa Bay. He is he is the Rays. Like you cannot get rid of him and still call yourself the Tampa Bay Rays. He is Tampa. They would legally have to change their name to something else. The, the Tampa Bay we sold Kiermeyer. <laughs> we used to have Kevin Kiermeyer, and now everyone's mad at us because we don't anymore. The Tampa Bay we lost our platinum Glover. <laughs> Wait, has he ever won one? He had. I don't think. One. I think he's won gold gloves. I don't know if he's ever won a platinum glove. He deserves another. Hey, honorary platinum club winner. Here we on go. Podcast. The Tampa Bay Rays. We're just giving away fake awards to their players. But speaking of awards, great segue. I'm just. Saying. They have a possible rookie of the year candidate coming up soon in Wander Franco. I expect him to be on the opening day roster, and I expect him to be one of the front runners for American League Rookie of the Year. I mean, um, 
you know me, you pay way more attention to the prospects thing, which is why you're really excited to talk about the Rays, and I'm over here just kind of like giving you a thumbs up to the screen. But um, if his <laughs> – here's a here's a really ignorant thing to say. If his rating in MLB The Show is any, that, is any like comparison to him as an actual player, then I'm all for it. Yeah, there you go, rookie <laughs> of the year. Let's go, baby. <laughs> I really thought he was going to appear in the postseason because at one point he like posted a picture on his Instagram of being like, oh, yeah, like here's my World Series and had the patch. Like here's my jersey. I thought they were going to activate him. And I think he was given an emergency jersey just in case somebody got hurt. But he's a middle infielder, right? Shortstop. Yeah. So this means that means somebody like Adamas could be moving over to, uh, you know, second. Will I think Joey Wendell's probably going to take over as the third baseman. You know, like there, there's going to be pieces moving around to get him up. But I think he starts the season as a bench player, ends as a starter. Personally, um, I don't even know how much more time they should spend on Willie Adamas because I mean he came out like from the minors, like with like with a vengeance. Like that motherfucker was hitting like a goddamn maniac, and he's a great defensive player. Like the whole Rays team, like we said, is just absolutely studded defensively. Mm-hmm. But, <clears throat> I mean. His postseason performance, especially Willie Adamas, was one of the most abysmal displays of hitting that I've ever seen. And I don't remember, I watch a lot of Cubs, but his was just horrid. Like, I I could not fathom how bad that that was. And like I said, like, he's, he came out really great, but sharp decline. I don't know how much, like, if he has even a slightly above average or close to average season, I think you might want to shop Willie Adamas if, especially if Wander Franco is like a rookie of the year candidate, you might want to just shop him and see what you can get. And I think if you see Adamas get moved before the season, that's a sign to the, to everyone that Wander Franco is not only coming up, but he is ready to take over that spot. I don't see them doing that without him coming up, but so let's get on to the other half of that rivalry that we started with the Boston Red Sox. Wait, hold on. You didn't even want to talk about, and a very exciting player that you have listed down in their prospect list for Tampa? You mean Brendan McKay? Of course I mean Brendan fucking McKay. Come we have to talk about him. Okay. All right, let's talk about him. For those of you who don't know Brendan McKay, he is um, going to be the second, pretty much the second player in this new wave of pitching hitters. Pit, wait, pitcher hit. He throws off the ma- he throws off the mound and he hits at the plate. He does both those things very well. He is a I'm... two-way player. He not only pitches, but he also hits. Yeah, that's the word. Whatever. Anyway, two-way player. Excited to see him because he will be the only other one, pretty much, aside from Shohei Otani. And the kid, he's not just a two-way player. He's a two-way player who plays both ways really fucking well. <laughs> Which is... I mean, he is like Otani. He hits really well. and hits with power. And he pitches really well, and he's a left-handed pitcher. So, like, I think that's the main reason why he's been able to stay as a two-way player. I mean, I would argue that Michael Lorenzen is a two is is a two-way player, like true. They they try to use him, but like so far, he's very like sporadic in both ways. He just well, I think it, I think twenty twenty was a bad year to officially make him a two-way. I expect them to. Yeah. I want them to keep trying to make him a two-way player in twenty twenty-one, and just see if the less crazy season where he can actually have more rest mm-hmm. gives him more production. It gets I, you more production out of him. I think he can do it, but like since he didn't come into the league about it, like with like with all this two way stuff as his like primary focus, I feel like it's not going to give him that much of an edge like it would for Brendan fucking McKay. No, I really like Brendan McKay. I actually had him on my uh, fantasy team when he like made his debut in like what like twenty nineteen. He popped up for a couple, uh, possibly. I don't really remember. Yeah, he made a couple appearances in twenty nineteen. 
I remember I remember adding him to my team and then dropping him shortly after. Super excited. I can't wait to see that guy. Is that is there anything else you want to add about Brendan McKay? Um, I hope that he succeeds as a DH because Randy Rosarena and Brendan McKay back to back would probably make make me as a as a pitcher shit myself, even though I'm not even playing professional baseball. So um, don't forget about uh, Sutsugo came over from, I think it was Japan. Uh, yeah, but I mean his his true prowess remains to be seen because you know bad bad season to get your start in and yeah. Plus, too, like Austin, there's a couple guys on the race that you know they have a chance to if given you know they have they have to prove themselves because like Austin Meadows can't stay healthy. Brett Phillips like has really he's been given chances for it hasn't really like shown. So like it'd be interesting to see a couple of these guys you know like if they can like actually take the next step to make themselves like everyday threats with the Tampa Bay Rays. And these are the things like if the Rays can get those guys going, they'll be fine. You know, if Austin Meadows is hitting every day, they're fine. Yeah, I'm I'm not worried about the Rays at all, and neither no, should you. Rays fan, even slightly like the Rays, you're you're fine. Don't worry about it. So even uh, if you just want to know if somebody else can beat the Yankees, you, the Rays got it. We we're, no, we're yeah. they're fine. Yeah, they're the silent killer. They're like one of my farts. So anyway, let's segue into the Red Sox, um, who have gone out and they've actually poached a, well, not really poached, but they did get get a guy who was in the World Series last year for the aforementioned Rays. We got Hunter Renfro for a one year deal and. I do not know how I feel about this. See, I like it, but I'm afraid it means they're out on JBJ. And to me, if you if you're not if you're Boston and you don't want to go back and get JBJ, like Jackie Bradley Jr. For those who don't know the uh, the little short acronym for him, I mean, like I get it. He's a defensive. He's mainly defensive center fielder. He does not have a very strong bat. But to be out on a guy like that, that is a game changer in that outfield, especially if you're a team that brought him up and without him you know you're not as good I don't know and like especially when you're still going out and making moves that are obvious that you have like interest to get back to the top and you feel like you can make a run again to go without Jackie Bradley Jr. to me is ridiculous I know they have Verdugo to take over center field so it's just the corners they need to fill and, the, and you know Renfro and Benintendi now will probably be the corners but well the thing for me though is you say that as if Hunter Renfro is not a very good defensive outfielder. And last, especially like watching him in the postseason with the Rays, he sh- he's, he's fucking damn good out there in the corner. He's He can track a fly ball real well. Like he may not be one of the fastest outfielders, but he can track stuff well. He's got a pretty, he's got a really strong arm. He's just, re- he seems to be like a really great corner outfielder. And he does bring something that JBJ kind of lost after his rookie season, which is, pretty consistent power and yeah and especially with boston's uh like short uh, walls i mean they get the monster not that far away and you got pesky pole in the right field i mean i think you're gonna see have renfro have a great season i mean it's a one new deal because both teams are gonna try to get something or both sides are gonna get something out of it red sox gonna get a, you know a power hitter you know a guy that maybe if they're on the on the verge they can you know they can like make a run with and if they're not they can trade him and for Renfro, he gets a chance to reestablish himself as, a, as an everyday player and probably as a, in the starter at Boston and can probably sign a bigger deal in the next offseason if there's not as many, you know, outfields on the outfielders on the market. Yeah, I think that this is actually – this is a much better move for Hunter Renfro than – I mean, it's weird to say that it's going to be better for Renfro than it is for the Red Sox because they're still going to benefit, but I really think so because he's going to – I really think that this is going to be a year that reinvigorates him as a – as like a pretty prime outfielder because i mean what is what what is it down the line in left field 310 
And he's that. Right- I don't think it might be even shorter than that. Yeah, like around around 300, and he's a right-handed. He's a right-handed power pull hitter. So this dude is going to be racking shit off the top of the green monster, if not over the green monster, like consistently. Like anything that would be an easy flyout for him in Petco or Tropicana or any other stadium, it's probably either going to be gone or off the wall. So I think that's going to be huge for him. Like, I'm, and even and even too, like Pesky's pull is only 300 feet, like 300 feet away or what, 300 yards or whatever from. He's, he's way not, I know he's not a, I know he's not a, he's a pull hitter, but he, if he gets underneath one enough, he could sneak some out to right field. That's true. But like, just because I mean, it's so short. As much as I do like Jackie Bradley Jr., I think that this is almost an upgrade because Word. I mean, I know that his rookie season, maybe his second season, Jackie Bradley Jr. was one of the prime center fielders in baseball, but he has lost that bat. Like, and hopefully he can get it back with whoever he signs with later in the in the offseason. But Hunter Renfro, he may not have the average, but I mean, neither did Jackie Bradley Jr., but at least he brings some power, which Jr. didn't have. Yeah, and especially if, especially if you're Boston, you want to make the most of JD Martinez's couple like last couple of years. You have Bobby Dalback coming up. You have Michael Chavis could be turn out to be one of the uh, better power hitters in the game. Like they have the guys to make a formidable power lineup, and I think Renfro allows them to, uh, you know, take off. Yeah, they got the pieces there. They just need somebody who's good at jigsaw puzzles, right there, right in Boston, man. Yeah, and really- speaking of jigsaw puzzle pieces, they signed uh, Matt Andreisi. Uh, to a one-year, $2.1 million deal. And this is, a, again, it's they're trying to fill the holes. They have Sale, they have Eovaldi, and now they're providing people to pitch behind them that are not, or that have a little bit have proven. I mean, I know they're showing interest in Jay Godorizzi too, last I heard, um, which I think would be another great fit for them. Mm-hmm. Um, another rumor coming out of Boston is a possible six-man rotation. And so for years, I have been wanting the implementation of a six-man rotation. I've been waiting for one team to just be like, screw it, we're doing it whole season. The Blue Jays, a couple years ago, I want to say it was like 2018 or something, they acquired Francisco Lindor from the Pirates and implemented a six-man rotation for the last couple of uh, of season, or for the last couple of months. And I was all for it. I was like, yes. Wait, wait a minute. Rotation. Hold on a second. What? What was that pitcher's name? Francisco Lind. Oh no, it's Francisco <laughs> Liriano. My bad, everybody. Francisco Liriano. We got him. <laughs> I was all excited because I really love six man rotations. I don't know why, but I just want six man rotations. Like, keep well, pitchers healthier, give them more rest. Clearly, your brain doesn't work, so I don't know if I can trust your opinion on the six man rotations. I mean, you said Lindor was a pitcher for the Pirates. Like, come on, man. You don't know what the future holds. Maybe that was a glimpse into the future. Lindor's going to become a two-way player, and he's going to be frontlining <laughs> for Pittsburgh. Yeah, twenty twenty-five. We're going to see. We're going to see Lindor in Pittsburgh. He's Lindor's going to win the Cy Young, and he's going to win the Silver Slugger in Pittsburgh. <laughs> he's going to be. The, he's going to be the first player ever to win. He's going to win an MVP this next year with with New York, and then he's going to win a Cy Young the, the year later. He's going to be the first player in history to win it for hitting and pitching. He's going to be like, look, guys, it's too easy. I'm going to become a two-way player, make it a little harder. I'm going to go play in Pittsburgh, make it a little harder. Like <laughs> That's what Ted Williams should have done at the end of his career. Rather than just saying hitting's too easy, I'm going to quit. He should have said hitting's too easy, I'm going to pitch. <laughs> that would have been great. Just all of a sudden, Ted, or, uh, Ted Williams is, like, striking out guys using the same techniques he used to, like, pick up from a pitcher. Oh, yeah, he's like, well, I used to be able to hit high and tight really easily, so I'm just going to go the opposite direction for this guy. <laughs> I mean, but, like, the biggest need for Boston... They need to stay healthy. Like, 
it doesn't matter who you got if it does if they're not on the field. And this is the problem the Yankees had. But without Sale, Ivaldi, Benatini, or JD Martinez, the Boston Red Sox aren't good. They're not. No, I'm sorry. No, they're just not no, good. They need. The what was that? I was gonna say, when was the last time Chris Sale even like threw a pitch in professional baseball? I think it was 2018, wasn't it? It might have. I think he might have thrown a couple. I think he began the 20. He began 2019, and then it's shortly after 2019 began. He was he. I th- maybe it was even before the season started, but he at least threw in spring training. I know he was playing uh, pitching in 2019. This dude just. Oh my god! Like I I understand that he was a really good pitcher, but I don't know if he's like still at that caliber because I just haven't seen him pitch in over a year and a half. He, he's got to come back healthy, and he's got to stay healthy to get back to that really good caliber pitcher thing. But I mean, like same with Evaldi, like Evaldi. You know, he showed what he can do in the in the postseason. They gave him the big contract. He's showed glimpses of that. But if he's not healthy, he's not good. Yep. You know, Ben is probably one of the best, well, like most underrated left fielders in the game. And but if he's not if he's not healthy, he's not there, he's not good. Like it sucks, but they gotta stay healthy. If they want a chance to win the division, if they want a chance to fight for the wild card, gotta stay healthy. Simple, simple solution. Hopefully they can actually stick to it. I mean, it is easier than it sounds than it uh it's harder than it sounds, but I mean, fucking might as well try it. <laughs> yes. So here we go, Eli. Another potential American League Rookie of the Year candidate. I'm just going to be a negative Nelly and say no, simply because I love the magic in Tampa Bay. Um, and I'm just, I've never really been a huge Red Sox fan. So um, just those two, this, that one, that prejudice in mind and um, personal, personal interest of the Rays, I'm going to say. Uh, good luck on your career, Bobby Dalbeck, but I hope you lose rookie of the year. <laughs> See, I really think that Bobby Dalbeck is, I mean, because like, well, the difference is Wander Franco might come up. He could still stay a whole nother year in the minors. Like he hasn't been confirmed yet. After Bobby Dalbeck came up last year, had not, had some bats, not enough plate appearances to disqualify him for rookie year status. So he is still considered a rookie. Mm-hmm. So to me, Bobby Dabak has had like a little taste of the big leagues, and now it's his chance to go out and play a full season. He'll be the starting first baseman with no doubt in my mind. They're not replacing him. Yeah. Here we go. Like he's, uh, you know. My, my actual rookie of the year candidate, though, we're not going to talk about for another two episodes because he lives out in the AL West. Although he does play the same position as Bobby Dalbeck. It, if anybody can guess it, um, other than Derek, because I'm sure he knows. Um, I don't know. I'll give you a popsicle or something. Yes, go to our Twitter. Tweet. Yeah, tweet. go to our Twitter. Yeah, hype us up. Share us with your friends. Talk to see, us. See if you can get a uh, get it right. I mean, probably the prize is a bad incentive, but maybe you'll get something. Who knows? Yeah, share us. Uh, tweet at us. Yeah, tweet at us. Share us. Whatever. We're lonely. We're gonna. We'll answer or at least look at it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm really in. All, I'm all in on Bobby Dalback. Like. You know, move Chavis, let Chavis take over as the everyday second baseman, you know, and if Devers doesn't pan out, like he's like he's been hesitant, he's been like stuttering the last couple of years. Dalback move over to third, Chavis takes over first again. But I mean, but I think you need Chavis and Dalback in both both in the lineup from here on out if you're gonna have any sort of competition. Yeah. They're this the Red Sox are just another one of those really iffy teams because like like we've said with injuries and they got so many young guys and so many new pieces that it's just gonna be really hard to gauge. For a little bit, but I mean, hopefully they're interesting because uh, they won a World Series two years ago, and all of a sudden they're trash. So um, that's not fun to watch. <laughs> no, and it's it's all injuries. 
Yeah, at least um, at least when the Cubs didn't, at least when the Cubs had their decline from winning the World Series, it took them a, it took them a couple of years and they gradually got worse rather than the steep drop off. Yeah, I love seeing the. I like seeing the Cubs do bad though. I'm well aware of that. How do you? Well, but there you, is a there is rumors flying around real quick. Uh, Benintendi might be on the move, so that to me would be a huge detriment to Boston winning a a, a title anytime soon. I don't. Um, think they should even be trying to win a title anytime soon. I know, and you know it's even funnier. You know, one of the teams that supposedly called up and asked about Andrew Benatendi. Let me guess, because of what we were just talking about, the Cubs. No. Oh. Hmm. The Pittsburgh Pirates have supposedly inquired about Andrew Benatendi, which makes you wonder what is Ben Charing to know that we don't. Hopefully, no, good it things. Makes me wonder who's the next team we're talking about because I just don't care anymore. <laughs> It's the Blue Jays. Hey, I like the Blue Jays. That's, a lot that's... of people do, I think. And there's 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 no reason not to like the Blue Jays. A lot oh. of young, recognizable names. Plus, it's Canada. Like you can't hate anything from Canada. Like the only you... team rep in the Great White North until we get yeah. a team back in Montreal. Let's go, MLB. Come on, give me back my on Montreal. Move your, move your ass, Manfred. <laughs> Something you, decent with your fucking. You you said you wanted to expand to two cities. Throw one up in Montreal. Yeah, Montreal and Nashville. Those are your two. Those are the two places you gotta you gotta inhabit. I would also like to see one in Portland. All right, then we need a fourth. Vegas, because why not? Vegas. There we go. There's four. Let's. Why stop it to expand to four cities? Yeah. Right. Bam. Whole do a huge expansion draft. These are those are our predictions. Vegas, Portland, Montreal, Nashville. Make it happen, Manfred. Do something, you trash bastard. That would be a crazy expansion draft, though. If four teams had a draft and expansion draft, huh. There'd be so many players going to those teams. <laughs> I would love to watch it though. Like absolutely. It would it would be amazing. Anyway, uh, we were gonna talk about the Blue Jays, so let's do that. <laughs> yeah, so they re-signed left-handed pitcher Robbie Ray. Uh, he played he only played they only played in like five games for them, uh, only pitched 20 innings, but he looked much better with the Blue Jays than he did with the Diamondbacks. And so I expect Robbie Ray to to be a great starter for the Blue Jays, especially when they have um, you know, the guys behind, like, who are going to be behind him or in front of him, sorry, you have Hinju Ryu and Nate Pearson, and then you're going to have Robbie Ray. That, to me, is a great front three. Then, plus, you know, Tanner O'Rourke's not bad, and you have Trent uh, Thornton, who is a pretty much underrated I think, um, starter, thing, in my opinion. The big thing with Robbie Ray, though, is um, you got a lefty you got a lefty pitcher out here who's not, like, an absolute flamethrower, but he is known for being a strikeout pitcher but he does struggle with walks. And you know who's a not-flamethrower left-handed pitcher who doesn't struggle with walks that coincidentally plays on the same team? Hyunjin Ryu! Like, I mean, there you go. They, now you it have a guy who actually, like, help Robbie Ray, like, get more or get out of the whole walk problem. Yeah, like, walks are the worst thing in baseball. I There are so many pitchers that I just absolutely loathe because they walk too many people. Yeah, absolutely. It's it Play Holmes. Especially when, especially when you have a guy like Robbie Ray, who a couple of years ago looked like he was going to be one of the best left-handed pitchers in baseball. Like he was coming up, he was just tearing guys up. And the question was still, can he get his walk rate down? But now, yeah, I mean, like when but when the when the Diamondbacks had Bumgarner and Robbie Ray, I was like, oh, okay, they have two of the best left-handed pitchers in the game, you know. And it was just, it was just, I was like, okay, let's see what they do with it now. They didn't do anything with it. It was sad. I just, I, I think that this is a huge opportunity for Robbie Ray because he's going to. A brand new ball. He's going to a brand new ball club with some pretty damn good pitching. I mean, like even 
uh, Roark and uh, Matt Shoemaker, like those two guys, when they were when they weren't on uh, Toronto, weren't really doing all that hot. Like they weren't trash, but like nobody really thought of them as like an everyday starting pitcher or somebody who could actually help carry a club a little bit. But now, but now look at them. Like they're almost staples of that rotation. And if you can get Robbie Ray to get that walk rate down, and you have a lefty in that club who can help him with that, I think that this dude, especially now that he's not playing in Arizona, which I think has like the second highest runs per game rate in baseball. Like he's, he could very well become like a top tier pitcher this, these next couple seasons. I definitely expect big things from Robbie Ray. I mean, this, this is to me, it's a great move by Toronto knowing that they need pitching. So they're going out and getting, they're really, they're just, and they're, they're going to somebody who's already played for them. You know, the fans already like the fans already know him. They like him. And to me, the blue Jays, I think are the team that, you're a little iffy on them, but I could definitely see them making a run for the division and possibly even sneaking out with a couple, you know, with a title. Why not? I would, I would love to see that. I think, honestly, they're not anything more than a wildcard team as of right now, but that's only because other than their pitching, they are so young and they got to, like, they got to start clicking. I mean, they're going to 100%. I mean, I know I picked Bo Bichette to be, like, my rookie of the year, um, but that just didn't happen, which was a little upsetting, but that doesn't mean that dude's not good. And I, I know, like, Vladimir Guerrero, like, a little bit stalled out towards the end of the year, but he, like, they, I've seen highlights of him from the, the, the winter leagues, and, oh, that man looks like he's about to, he's going to come back with a vengeance. He's going to hurt some baseballs. Not only that, but that dude, he lost a ton of weight. He got a lot more athletic. He's been hitting the gym. He's... This dude, the dude could already pound a baseball. We all saw that in that absolutely fantastically glorious 2019 home run derby, which Vlad Guerrero, like they need to change the system for that because Vlad Guerrero should have won. It should be like, it should like re-tier him as the derby goes on. Anyway, that's a different conversation. But this dude, he's trying to get more athletic. He's trying to up his defense. I mean, I think he's going to become a, fir a first baseman by the end, of, by like, maybe even the start of next season they're already experimenting with him but he's clearly he's clearly not a slacker he's putting in the work he's trying to be the best that he can do I mean when you have a hall of fame dad it's kind of pressure so yeah. but I mean uh, he okay so I was gonna say two things so I know you said they're experimenting with him going to first base I think they should try to keep him at third base I think that's what he's more comfortable with and unless they have somebody like a third base prospect right behind him that they want to play third base like to me Keeping him at first base is the better move. Unless they go out and get somebody like Bryant or a veteran third baseman for the first couple of years, like let Vladimir Guerrero play third base. Like don't even worry about transitioning him over to a new position. Well, uh, that's just my opinion. Well, I mean, the thing is, Kevin Biggio still hasn't really found his spot on that team. Like he has a spot on that team just as a player, but they haven't really found exactly what position they need to keep him at yet. He can bounce around a little bit, so who knows if it does like depending on how he performs defensively, like they could have Vlad go to first and they say, fuck it, just put Biggio over at third. Well, I think I mean, Biggio is uh probably gonna end up playing second. Yeah, that's that seems to be where they like him the most right now, which I mean makes sense, but I don't know, they're just they're just such a fun team and I just like really love watching them and I can't wait. And plus that outfield is the most underrated outfield in baseball without a doubt. Because, I mean, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., absolute stud, no doubt about it. Um, Randall Grichik having a second wind now. Because, I mean, like, for a while there in his career, everybody was kind of like, like, his rookie and, like, sophomore season is really, like, the best that he can do. But now, all of a sudden, just he's the, he's the leader of that clubhouse, it looks like. 
And then Teoscar fucking Hernandez. <laughs> Where the hell did he come from? And I want more of him. Plus, do they have like Derek Fisher, who they acquired from uh, from the Astros? Uh, I think it was 2019 they acquired him. They gave him a lot for him. They obviously have high hopes on him, and I, I'd be excited to see him. You know, he's the he thinks right now he's like the fourth outfielder, but it'd be interesting to see him like evolve into maybe the everyday DH or you know see if one of those outfielders moves into it the everyday DH spot and see Derek Fisher yeah. take over right field. I think that's actually I think what's more likely is you're going to see Grichik uh, and Fisher swapped. I think I think Teoscar Hernandez he's a decent de- he's a decent defensive outfielder, but Derek Fisher's got him beat by a lot. I think you're going to see Grichik go into right, and maybe he and Teoscar switch time between DH and right field. But Fisher Fisher has what we in the industry like to call whack ass fast ass wheels so i mean like he's a guy that you kind of want in center field kind of guy you need in center field so i i think i'd see him out there more than i'd see grichik but i mean again i'm not in the organization and they seem to do some funky things that i'm all for so uh surprise me blue jays let me see what you got and i cannot yeah, yeah. wait to see it. so they've claimed two uh pitchers off of waivers i mean walker lockett from seattle anthony castor from detroit i mean those are just depth moves uh, we won't talk a lot about those. They did sign three players that I was actually kind of hyped about. Uh, they signed Rich- the shortstop Richard Urania, Forrest Wall, and Tyler White. I mean, these are depth moves. These are guys that are giving a shot. You know, if they, they're going to be bench players. They're going to be. But to me, Tyler White is actually the one that could have the most impact because, like we were saying, Vlad moves back over to third base. Tyler White takes over at first base, and you have Biggio and Bichette uh, in the in the middle. To me, Tyler White could end up being the most important signing of these three. Yeah, and no offense to Rowdy Telez, but he just doesn't seem to be cutting it at first base for him right now. So, like, they really – that's the spot they're hurting is first base. They don't have, like, a solid everyday guy. And who knows? I, I know White hasn't had much major league experience. I mean, I know he's been up here and there for the Astros, but he's not – he's never been an everyday dude. And so, who knows? That He could be last piece that they need in that infield. And you never know, too. There's a lot of guys that – bounce around they don't they really find their place and all of a sudden they end up on a team and that's the the final piece they need was that home cooking or that specific type of uh player but or coaching i don't know i just feel like the biggest need for for uh for the blue jays other than pitching would probably be a first baseman so they could move so you know or you know first or third and then like guerrero play the other need one more corner outfield or infielder yeah, and hopefully, I mean, it's looking it's looking up, but hopefully Guerrero can get his defense to a point where he's like a no-brainer everyday corner infielder. Yeah. I mean, you, you need that bat in that lineup, so as, as if he can get that defense up, then he could be absolutely one of the best in the game. See, to me, the Blue Jays are weird because, like, <laughs> they seem to be in on a lot of players. Like, they were supposedly in, in Liam Hendricks. They were supposedly inquiring about Francisco Lindor. But neither of those talks, guys are on their team. Yeah, there's even talks with them about getting DJ LeMahieu, which would be very interesting. But I'm used to be like the the Blue Jays are kind of just checking in, like, hey, um, you know, it's Ryan, you were over here. But I don't know if they're, I don't know, like if they're just not hopeful of this young group, if they're hesitant to spend the money, if they're trying to see if they can get convince somebody to take less money. I know the Lindor trade fell through because supposedly the Blue Jays were offering too many guys that weren't MLB ready, and Cleveland doesn't want guys that were going to be – they want guys who are MLB ready. So the Mets gave them guys who are MLB ready, and so it went to the Mets. So, I mean, they're, there's rumors they're looking into Joe Musgrove, which would be a huge piece for them. Like, again, like, that pitching rotation is already good. 
that's another step to getting a, a you know a guy Joe Musgrove. He's shown himself to be an innings eater. He's a competitor. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a guy you'd love to have on your team. I love him on the Pirates. But I feel like with the way Pittsburgh's shown in their trades, they've gotten a lot of guys that are close to being able to be ready a couple of years. And especially in like if, they, if the Blue Jays aren't willing to give those guys up, I don't see Joe Musgrove moving out of Pittsburgh to Toronto. He may go somewhere else, but he don't think it'll be Toronto unless they're going to pay up for him. But someone they could get, um, and I'll see what Eli thinks of this, do you think they could go for Bryant? I mean, Cubs made it obvious that they're okay with taking guys that are a couple years away. I mean, look with the Darvish trade. They got a lot of guys that have very little. They're going to be ready for three, four years. I mean, they could go for Chris Bryant, but it's a mistake. Um, <laughs> I think I don't think that he'll mesh well with that kind of clubhouse, especially with the young guys. I mean, I know that he himself is not old, but it just – they seem like, I mean, no offense to Randall Gritchick, but like he is the mentor, but he doesn't have as much experience as like most guys who look on other teams. Like there's like, there's the leader, there's the captain, there's the mentor. And like, whether it's because of experience or because they're just an absolute goddamn stud for like the last five years, Randall Gritchick is more just like consistent. Like he's been around for a long time, but like, I don't know if I had to pick like somebody who I don't really see as a captain who is one, like it is him. And if you're going to go out and get somebody who is, who's got experience at a corner infield spot, I don't think you want to go for a guy who has been nothing but a problem from, at least from what it sounds like for another team, especially when you need to solve something in that infield. I just, I don't know how does, I don't, I'm just so like iffy on Chris Bryant, man, just cause like, I, I want to see him gone, but like, I don't know who should take him because I don't think anybody deserves a personality like that, but he's not a bad ball player. No, I mean, he's a good ball player. He's got a little bit of a question mark at defense at third base, but it, it, with the bat, I mean, you're, you're, you're going to slot him in between guys that are great hitters already, and then you could ignore the defense because he's going to – his offense is going to improve that much because of the guys hitting around him. I mean, if, if all of a sudden you're staring down Kevin Biggio and you walk him and now you got to face Bryant with a man on, that's a little – like you know, you might be more likely to give Biggio some better stuff to hit if you don't want to face Bryant with a man on. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. Chris Bryant's just such a huge player. I still think that the Nationals will probably be the team to go after him the hardest. I don't know. They just they they desperately need somebody at third base. Yeah, I could see Atlanta feeling pressured to go get Bryant as a third baseman. With the moves that the Mets have made, the Nationals making some moves and their pitching staff being what it is, or they like their starters being who they are. I could feel Atlanta being like, oh, we need to do something to prove everyone we're still that guy. And they might go get Chris Bryant to, you know, because they do have a hole at third base, you know, move Austin Riley back in the left field. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a hole. I would say it's more just a question mark because I think Austin Riley deserves the starting spot at third. He just needs to prove consistency. I agree, too. I mean, that was the only reason why it's a it's a hole is because he hasn't shown consistency. So I guess, yeah, you're right. A question mark is the better claim. But uh, to finish up the Blue Jays, the only really thing I think they really, the biggest need for them, that would be bullpen. They, like I said, they were in a, they were talking about getting Liam Hendricks. He visited them in Dunedin, but they ended up going with Chicago. I think they have a good pitcher in Dallas, mm-hmm. their closer, Rafael Dallas. 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 Yeah, it's Dallas. So I, I feel like he's the closer. So if they want to get a setup man, someone to pitch right before him, get like you know, guys who will come in high leverage situations before the ninth, you know, Yates, Hand. They're traditional closers, but I could see them coming in and being a good setup guy. You know, uh, Petit of Oakland, 
I'd love to see him in Toronto just going out and doing what he did. Hard thrower, give the ball to Petit, then give the ball to Dolis. Personally, I just I, – I think that they don't even need – like, they maybe if they get one big name, that's good, but I don't even know if they need big names. I think they just have, like, such an under-the-radar bullpen and under-the-radar starting pitching that as long as they get, like, a couple consistent, decently solid guys, then their offense can pick up whatever slack that their pitching has. I think – I. I don't know. I'm just I'm excited to see him work, and I think that because of how young they are, it's just it'll be fun to watch them and like see where see how they grow throughout the season. That's true. That I mean, like that's a young bullpen, but young bullpens aren't necessarily bad. I mean, teams have won with young bullpens before. Yeah, that's true. Not every team is going to go do what the Nationals did and just get two guys who throw 80 miles per hour and just kind of toss it up there and let guys get themselves out. But anyway, on to our last team. Should be our last team, correct? Yes. Yeah. Our last team, the Baltimore Orioles. Ooh, yay. But here's what I'm going to ask you, Eli. The Baltimore Orioles had a little bit of a stretch there where they were contenders. So are they a surprise team in the American League East? No. Yeah, no, no, but all. Just straight no. <laughs> no. No. They don't have as they don't have the pitching quite yet. I mean, like they have some decent pitchers. I mean, John Means is or is it John or Josh? It's John, right? Yeah. He's shown shown that he's a pretty decent pitcher, that he can pitch at the MLB level, but he doesn't really get much run support. I mean, shocking. Um, But their bullpen, especially getting rid of – what was it? They got rid of Castro and they got rid of Givens, who were their top two relievers. Uh, And other than that, they didn't really get anybody in return, at least as of right now. Because, like, that's the thing. They're the team that's just a freaking prospect hoarder. So they just go out and they get all these prospects who like haven't been up yet or they've been up barely and they have so far kind of not brought anybody up. I mean, their starting lineup right now is all a bunch of like third string rejects who have kind of put it together. I mean, answer Alberto, like he was what I would consider a third string reject until he came to Baltimore and then threw up a 300 like he hit 300 the plate for one season now he's like a pretty he's a pretty decent contact hitter but they just i don't know they're just they're the team that has like if we're gonna go back to the jigsaw puzzle analogy um they're a team where like you know you go into your friend's house and they have like and they have little siblings and they like to do jigsaw puzzles but the problem is they put all the pieces for every single puzzle into one box and they just shake it around and just fuck around with it so you're doing like five puzzles at once that's the orioles (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's funny you say like run support because they are getting uh, a very good hitter back this year um yes. trey mancini is coming back uh he uh had cancer i want to say it was colon cancer so that's someone who i'm, I'm really excited because i love trey mancini he's a mm. great first baseman and to me trey mancini without him the baltimore is kind of like uh whatever they i feel like they could make a run with trey mancini with the power hitters that have, have showed up last year, go out and get sign a couple free agent pitchers. Maybe maybe not trade because you don't want to give up your prospects. I mean that's what you're you know that's what they're gonna rely on a lot. But you know see if you can't sign a guy like Colin Mahew or Julio Tehran and just kind of you know ride the ride the Mancini train, especially yeah. when you got a really young uh, interesting left fielder like they do in Ryan yeah, I- Mountcastle. I thought he was a first baseman. He plays both. But if Mancini's back, Mountcastle's out in uh, third base or left field. Yeah, but I thought Mancini played right in DH. Mancini plays first base. 
Fuck me. I think he also plays right field. I mean, that's the thing with Baltimore is a lot of guys move around. The yes. important thing is Chris Davis should not play first base. That's Chris he's Davis not, with a C. He's not there anymore, though. He, was, isn't his contract up now? Or is it after I this? think it's one more year. It's one more year. God damn it, dude. Just fucking care. He's, it's like it's like the um, Bobby Benilla deal, only he's still – it's like more painful because he, you get to see him fail. <laughs> yeah. But, the Bobby Benilla deal is funny because it hurts the Mets. This just hurts everyone else. This just hurts the viewers. No, but uh, for those of you who are interested, um, Bobby Benilla will still be getting paid after Mookie Betts' contract is up. But it's a really funny story. And let's get into it now. So what happened is Bobby Bonilla played for the Mets, but then they asked him if they like, they didn't want to pay the rest of his contract. He had a huge contract, a lot of money they still owed him. And so they said, Hey, why don't we just like pay you later? And so he was like, sure. But then they didn't pay him later. So his lawyers sued them. So now they're paying him more money than they would have if they had just paid him up front and it's paying them for longer. So every year on July 1st, Bobby Benilla gets a check for like what, like two point millions, like so, like so a it's, bunch it's, of money. It's like one point eight or so. it's around two million dollars. It's like it's like almost two million dollars every year on July first. The Mets have to write Bobby Benilla a check, and he will keep getting paid well after many current players have retired. Hey, this is remember what we were talking about with the beginning about like salary caps and all and all that garbage about people like getting done with the league before they're forty. This is what they got to do: get a good lawyer, sue your team, and get paid two mil every year. There you go; it's an easy retirement plan. <laughs> just just play for the nineteen eighties Mets and then convince them to pay you up until two thousand thirty five or something like yeah, that. Play play on a team, <laughs> play on a team and for an organization that is notorious for how much coke they did, and there you go. <laughs> anyway, the Baltimore Orioles. They have yes, back to the Baltimore Orioles. Um, so I think if you're if you're an Orioles fan, you're not gonna see any big names come, but I don't really expect them seeing any big names leave. Maybe Chris Davis. I think I'm sure they'll love to shop Chris Davis to somebody, but I don't see him going anywhere. But to I mean, me, 2021 is a is going to be the year of evaluation for Baltimore. It's going to be, well, do we have the core to build around and make a run? Or do we have a bunch of guys that are just going to – one's going to pan out, but the rest are going to scuttle, and we're back to square one. And to me, I think this is what 2021 is going to be for Baltimore is they're going to see a lot of guys playing in positions that maybe they're not going to play in the future just because they need to know if they can if they can move them. You know, can they – so they can bring someone else up. Like, how, how's it going to react? Um, you saw this last year with Pittsburgh – like Cole Tucker was playing in the outfield all the time. Cole Tucker's a shortstop. His first major league, his first ever start in outfield was in a major league game. He had no minor league experience in the outfield, but that that whole season last year was to evaluate the team, who needs to go, he who should stay. And I think Baltimore is going to do the exact same thing. They're just going to have a longer season to do it, and so hopefully it works out better for them. Yeah, and like I said, they're like prospect hoarders, so um, that's going to be one big thing too. Is the Baltimore Orioles, I do not believe, are going to be a contender for a long time. Like, I'd say maybe four years is when you start seeing them in, like, top two in the AL East because they got to – all these prospects, okay, they got to season them a little bit. They got to work out the kinks. And like we said, we got to figure out who belongs on this team and who doesn't. But, I mean, with how many prospects they have, they have to start bringing some up and making some moves. And I think Ryan Mountcastle is the first big step. And, to me, it was actually it was uh, before Mountcastle came up. Hunter Harvey was the guy when they called up Hunter Harvey to be their bullpen guy. I mean, I think he's the future closer. 
The dude throws gas. He's got flow and everything you want out of a out of a bullpen guy. Uh, you, you know, when your clothes are coming in looking intimidating, you know. The reason I the reason I put it on Mountcastle is because, like bullpen guys, like name one bullpen guy who you can see as like a team leader. <laughs> Old House Rothbard. <laughs> he was a starting pitcher. Okay, man. <laughs> Uh, I know. But I'm just, nah, like, just relief pitchers, yes, they can be great. They can be a huge piece in the puzzle, of course, but I don't see them as like the catalyst, the igniter. I don't I, I think that you need at least a position player, if not also a starting pitcher, to be that kind of guy. And I I personally think that Ryan Mountcastle is the guy because I mean, one almost everybody had heard of Ryan Mountcastle at least a little bit before he came up just because he was one of the top in the in MLB Pipeline's prospect list. Like, he was – like, everybody was fucking pumped for him. And then he came up, and he gave everybody a reason to be pumped for him. He hit fucking 300 and hit the fuck out of some balls into the stands. Like, he was he, doing – He right. hit a lot of home runs, and it was it was nice to see. And, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Like, from an organizational standpoint, like, Harvey might be the, the beginning of the floodgates. But from a fan, like, you know, oh, my God, like, we might have a future standpoint, it's Brian Mountcastle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, But I, I think that – you're not going to see the. I don't think you're going to see the Orioles be a contender for another couple of years. But I think that he's going that Mountcastle is the catalyst for them to start bringing up guys and like you'll you'll maybe get at least like one or two decent guys per year from now on. I mean, uh, we have it listed here like Adley Rushman, the catcher should be coming up possibly by 2021. I mean, they already have a decent catcher in Pedro Severino. Like like we said, this is a dude who's. Um, like top prospect, MLB pipeline, like top ten. Like they need to get these guys up and actually have them be what they're rated at. Which, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say like that's just that that's really just all they need. Like they just need to get these guys going. Because I mean, <laughs> Rio Ruiz and DJ Stewart and Cedric Mullins, all these guys, like those guys are all like I said, like third string rejects. Like you, you got lucky with Anthony Santander. Like he, he's a diamond in the rough right there. I think he's gonna be a weird, not like a superstar, but one of those guys where you're just like, why the fuck is this dude on Baltimore playing so well? He's gonna be one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, I love Santander, and I really think DJ Stewart could surprise some people. But I agree with you. Like, and I don't think he'll come up in 2021. I, I mean, like I've been seeing this for years, but like when I would like look up the Pirates prospects, like. You know, you always see that they're expected to supposed to come up this year, and then their end of the year comes, and it's like, uh, they didn't come up. Like yeah, Brian Hayes is supposed to be, oh, he's gonna debut next year since 2018. So I feel like rush for Rushman, you probably won't see him until 2022, especially with not having to not being able to play last year in the minors. I think they're gonna give him one more year in the minors because again, they're trying to evaluate the team. There's no sense in rushing a guy when there's no reason when you're not you're not gonna make a run. Absolutely, but I mean. This is just a team where you're just going to have to be, like, if you're an Oriole fan, just got to be patient. You really just got to be patient. Um, Which sucks because, you know. Shots, watch the watch the Blue Jays for a little bit. Take a few shots. Um, do not out. take a shot every time Guerrero hits a home run because you might get a little sloshed. It might yeah, be dangerous. Actually, actually sounds like fun. Maybe I'll do that this year. Uh, every time every time I get the notification that Vlad goes deep, I'm going to take a shot no matter where I am. You're in the middle of a, of a class and you're just like <laughs> – She's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, Vlad, hit, Vlad went deep, man. I have to. Vlad went deep. You just bring out more bottles in your backpack. Everyone drink up. Vlad went deep. And everyone's like, oh, look at that kid. <laughs> Vlad the went kid deep. who carries a bottle of Ping Whitney everywhere he goes. 
Pink Whitney, motherfucker. The official, the official vodka of college for sorority girls. <laughs> That's nothing against Pink Whitney. It actually is kind of delicious. Though. It's, very, it's, it's a drink you can drink straight up because it's already mixed. Yeah, which is a problem because you should not drink vodka straight up. Like, <laughs> I know... I, I know somebody, my girlfriend, who drinks it straight out of water bottle when we went to parties, and it was a very dangerous thing because she got really dizzy. No, flavored flavored vodka is, is a problem because like vodka isn't all that bad to drink by itself, but then once you get like a flavoring in there, it's just really easy to go down smooth. I mean, I have a story for you. I have a story for you when this is done because I don't think it's appropriate to tell on the podcast. <laughs> it definitely involves some mango vodka. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah let's uh let's finish up baltimore i mean again you're not gonna see any moves i doubt you'll see any of these top prospects of the mount castle come up especially not the guy who they drafted last year in uh uh kish dead i i always forgot to say his name you, just did. you, just you, gotta, did. you gotta say it as if you know how to speak like with a scandinavian accent <laughs> you just did. um so that brings us to the end of our show so we're gonna talk about Hey, don't say the Our, end of the show, then people are going to turn it off, man. Okay, like, so it's not the end of the end. Um, <laughs> that brings us to the end of the AL East. The end of the AL East, yes. So now we're going to talk about our player spotlight, Josh Gibson, who is arguably one of the greatest power hitters of all time. Fuck, uh, he fuck, was, fuck. I was just going to say fuck Barry Bonds, because like, you said greatest power hitter of all time, so you just got to say fuck Barry Bonds. Hank, yeah. It goes Josh Gibson, Hank Aaron. Yeah, and then that other guy that hit home runs before Hank Aaron. Okay, so we just did some fact-checking because um, Derek's dumb and thought that Roger Maris, the guy who holds the legitimate single-season home run record, was also one of the top home run hitters of all time. Derek, would you like to hear the official home run tally of Roger Maris's 12-year career? Sure, Eli. This already does not bode well for you. He hit 275. Hey, that's close. Anyway, moving on. So Josh <laughs> Gibson was born on December 21st, 1911 in uh, Buena Vista, Georgia. And then he moved to Pittsburgh in 1923. Um, his family, the family farm was failing. So the father picked them all up, ran them up to Pittsburgh um, instead of saving the farm. And you might be saying, like, why does that matter, Derek? Well, because Josh Gibson... Played, started playing professional baseball at age 16 for a local Pittsburgh team and eventually got scouted by the Pittsburgh Crawfords, one of the teams he's most famous for playing for. I mean, same with all the players who played uh, for the Negro Leagues in this era. The stats are very incomplete. I mean, if you look up on baseball reference, he's only credited with 108, 113 home runs and 30, 361 RBIs. And this is a guy that it's believed hit close to almost 800 home runs in his career playing baseball. And I'm I don't gonna, know. I'm going to live by that one personally because – um, with the new rule that Rob Manfred put in place, counting Negro League stats as Major League history, um, that would give us a new home run king. And if everybody's going to keep calling Barry Bonds our home run king, then fuck it. Might as well call Josh Gibson our home run king then, because I can't stand having a cheater at the top of that list. I know Josh Gibson now holds the, the single season record for like most, for the highest batting average, the 340, or he made like 451. Um, in a single season, which now gives him the highest batting average in a in a single season, so that's expected to stand. And they're, I know they're doing research to get an exact number, or like close to an exact number. But yeah. if they think if they think Gibson hit over seven sixty, he's the new home run king. I have a I have a um, trivia question for you. Then now that you said that about the single season average record, do you know who was the original record holder who is now number two? It wasn't it Ted Williams. 
Nope. It he, wasn't Ted, Ted Williams is the last player to hit, to hit 400. 400. But I thought he also hit uh, – I thought he held the record from earlier in his career. Nope. The guy who holds the record is a Hall of Fame second baseman who played for Cleveland. Do you think you know? And like the only guy I can think of is Omar Vizquel, and I know that's not right. <laughs> He's not a Hall of Famer yet. No, he should, should be. No, it is Napoleon Lahoy. I did not know that. I would never guess that. <laughs> Fucking step your game up. <laughs> I'll get. I'll get on your lever. Level. He's, my lever. <laughs> Please yeah, don't get on like, my lever. I'm not into that. Um, I mean, but like he made his whole. He pretty much played his whole career in Pittsburgh. He played for the 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 Homestead Grays, the Pittsburgh Crawfords, and he had a great career one of the most well-respected power hitters hitters of all time i mean like yeah if you watch the episode last uh our last episode you remember eli talking about uh his four mile home run uh do you want to re- recite the story again for us eli uh yes i will be very brief uh he hit a home run into the bed of a passing pickup truck that did not stop until it was at a gas station about four miles later and the guy looked in the back he's like hey baseball Yes, the four mile, the longest home run in Major League Baseball history, the four mile home run, uh, until Vlad Guerrero hits one out of uh, out of Canada and in the United States. <laughs> Does it even face that direction? I have no. That'd be going all the way around. <laughs> that old Brewers commercial, Prince Fielder hitting one all the way around the world. I remember oh, that. It's a I great really commercial. Uh, but anyway, to me, like Josh Gibson is like the guy that like if you came to me, if you like players, you say all the time like, oh, if you came to me and told me that. Josh Gibson hit a hit a mile long home run. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't even been surprised. Yeah. Like he's he's John Wick, but for baseball. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it, it is all the you could be like oh, all these players that oh man if they what their careers would look like if they had been able to play in the majors. To me, the the biggest snub of all time is Josh Gibson. After that, probably cool Papa Bell, and then after that, Satchel Paige. Yeah, I mean he did get some time uh, in the majors, but. It was well after his prime. I think he it was made his much- major league debut at like 38, 36, and he still did well. Like I, I, I thought, was, it, I thought it was even later than that. No, he was in his late 30s, but he played up until like 45. Well, this is another He's, thing that I'm going to Google because why not? Well, while you're googling that, a little bit more on. Uh, already got it. You got he it. Made, he made his major league debut at 41. It was 41. He was forty. He played two years in a row, and then he came back in nineteen fifty one or nineteen fifty one when he was forty four. Played until he was forty six. He was a two time All Star when he was forty five and forty six. And then his last season, he pitched. He started one game, pitched three innings, gave up one hit, and struck out one batter. Would you like to know how old he was? Uh, was he forty eight? You're ten years off. He was oh. <laughs> He was 58 years old. 58. He was 58 years old playing for the Kansas City Athletics. He pitched three innings, struck out one, gave up a hit. <laughs> Man, if you want to call Tom Brady a goat, no, it's it's uh, Satchel Page. Oh, it's Satchel Page, 100. percent Um, so back to Josh Gibson. Uh, he passed away January 20th, 1947. So he never actually got to see himself elected in the Hall of Fame because he was elected in 1972 by a by the com- by a committee. To me, like this is again, like I said it, I said it, I said it already, but it's it's just so sad. You know, he never got like what the stats would have been if, like, how many teams would have, you know, what what like it's just it's just mind it's just frustrating because I would have loved to know what he would have done in the major league in the major leagues. Yeah, he absolutely he could have set records that Barry Bonds could have never touched, no matter how much he stuck in his needles, he stuck in his butt. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, I think one of the most upsetting things about it too is like the fact that he didn't get elected until after he had died, like, and it had to be by a committee too. Like, it's baseball's supposed to be about like how great you are as a player in your career and in some cases too just like even as a person like on top of your career and everything that I've ever heard about him and all the stats that I've seen legends that I've heard like Josh Gibson is nothing short of one of the best to ever play the goddamn game and the fact that he doesn't get to see himself enshrined in Cooperstown even though it's been it was around for so long before he died like I mean we all know why it's bigotry and assholeism so like it's just it sucks that so like because he's not the only one there are plenty of other negro league players who deserve to be immortalized and had been but never got to see it and there's even the question too how many guys played in the negro leagues but because the stats weren't there and because they didn't have that same like legend status how many guys that probably would have made it a, a killing in the major leagues never actually got and they're not going to never going to get the recognition because the the stats are incomplete or you know when compared to other legends of the game you know their their stories aren't sung as as, as well it's just mm-hmm. it's a sad sad reality to, to to be faced with well how many guys are being forgotten and that was the one thing i always loved about baseball um every single game was recorded since the beginning so since the beginning, they've had these stats of these every person who's ever played from King Kelly to Mike Trout, everyone's been recorded. And it's just sad to know that guys who made a mark on the game played the game probably at a, what a level that was worth playing in the majors, and they're going to get forgotten. And that, to me, is like one of the greatest tragedies in the world um, and, and learning baseball. <clears throat> yeah. Sucks a bag of dicks. Yeah, it sucks. So let's get to our end of the show quote. It's from Tommy Lasorda. May he rest in peace. I'm glad he got to see his Dodgers win a World Series. Uh, the last time the Dodgers won a World Series before uh, 2020 was his 1988 team that he managed. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a you know Dodger through and the LA through and through. And you know, learning that you know Tommy Lasorda was there when they won. I'm a little less mad that the Dodgers won now. So, yeah, same. I mean, because I mean, by all accounts, everything that you look up, Tommy Lasorda is just like one of the nicest, like one of the best people that you could ever be in a single room with. And he was also a famed assaulter of the Philly Fanatic. Um, for those of you who don't know the story, um, it's pretty simple. Philly Fanatic is an asshole uh, in the best possible way. And one day he came out onto the field with a stuffed, almost life size pillow i guess of tommy lasorda and lasorda stole it from him and started beating him with it <laughs> and it's one of my favorite videos i've ever seen <laughs> you can look it up if you guys want to it is this great video i recommend it it's it's really funny yeah, um he also got the philly fanatic ejected out of a game philly fanatic was like bouncing on the dugout he went to the, the umpire the umpire threw the philly fanatic out of a game I think that was like it's in in baseball rivalries. It goes Yankees Red Sox like Lasorda Philly fanatic. Like it's yes. just a Um. So the the quote from Tommy Lasorda is: My wife tells me I think you love baseball more than me. I said, Well, I guess that's true. But hey, I love you more than football and hockey. Amen. I think a lot yeah. of people can uh, agree with that if you're a true baseball fan. Yes, if you are a true baseball fan, and you better be because you're listening to a baseball podcast. And, and if you listen this long, then you either really like our voice or you're a true baseball fan. 
or you're asleep. <laughs> yes. um, but no, no judgments. Um, you listened all the way. So um, yeah, we have that thank going. You. So thank you. Uh, that, that means follow that us we- on Twitter. Uh, BL bullpen. Yes. BL bullpen. Um, follow us, retweet us, whatever. Give us some exposure, bitches. Um, yes. Tell yeah. your friends. If you think we said something really stupid or wrong, let us know. Yeah. I um, love to argue with people about baseball. Absolutely. Tweet at us. I love telling people that they're fucking idiots for disagreeing with me, even though I'm probably in the wrong. Like, absolutely. Uh, like, nobody nobody grows without controversy and talking and, like, you know, all that cheesy, cliche bullshit. In other words, just have fun with us because we're here and we're going to – we like having fun. Yeah. We're just going to keep much. doing this until we eventually get bored of it. So you might as well yeah. have fun with it too. All right. We have, see you guys. We got at least two more episodes, so <laughs> – 